Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, here we are. <laughs> the sky is falling. Oh dear. We uh we, we begin this episode on the precipice or actually as a result of another half and half week for Kansas basketball, but we we trudge on. Welcome in everybody. Hope you're having a beautiful start to your new year. Is it too late to now say happy new year? I believe it is. I am Jonas Nordman. And this is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you hanging in there. Been a a crazy year or so. A little less than a year for the show. But we're in the midst of Big 12 play. And things are not going great for the Jayhawks. But I hope your personal life's going well. Believe in Jayhawks basketball show and the Believe Podcast Network, your number one home for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And here's what I believe. Um, I, I believe that Kansas basketball is indeed in a funk. You know, I, you look at the result of the last two games. Thought the team maybe was taking a, a turn after the TCU game, but I, I think what happened versus Texas. Might be more of a trend than it is necessarily uh, a one-off, a blip on the radar. Yes, Kansas did beat Oklahoma in the meantime, but it was not pretty by any means. And we'll, we'll get into it. Here's what's on the docket for today. As always, you can get in contact with me if today's show turns into too much doom and gloom. I don't think it's going to, but this KU team has warts. And it needs to be addressed. So if, if you agree with me at the points I make, let me know. If you disagree, if you, there's reason for optimism, let me know. But there's one big reason why I'm all of a sudden not feeling too great about this Kansas basketball team's chances, certainly for the Big 12. You know, maybe they just need to get themselves right for the NCAA tournament, which is a little bit of a depressing thought. I, I think I, I know what the biggest issue is for Kansas. There's some players who really you can point the finger at and say as the team's fortunes have turned, you can look at these two guys. Granted, there's one player in particular who all of a sudden is turning to Akeem Olajuwon or, or Patrick Ewing. But that's not necessarily a good thing for Kansas, Kansas's success. Whew, that's a tongue twister. And my biggest issue with Kansas and what's coming up around the corner. So, Kansas splits the week after losing to Texas, beating down TCU. KU, by a slim margin, does take down Oklahoma 63-59 to in the game where at one point I mentioned I thought Kansas was playing excellently. They opened up a little lead. This was in the first half, and then next thing you know, Oklahoma goes into halftime <laughs> leading the ball game. I thought Kansas was getting any shot they wanted. I thought they were playing amazingly defensively. 
And at the end of the day, they, they did hold Oklahoma to 59 points. Uh, I always say, and I've said on this show, and I've said personally for a long time, 60 is sort of your, you know, your great average in college basketball. If a college basketball team hits 60, you know, average offensive performance, um, maybe despite what the other team did defensively, 70 is where you started getting into you know, a, a pretty good offensive game. For a team, so to hold Oklahoma 59 uh, says a lot about the effort KU put in in the second half, holding the Sooners to just 26 points. But you do all that work defensively, still win by four points. The glaring number for this game: Kansas shoots six of 20, 30 percent on the dot from three-point range. Then there's the game the other night. Where, yes, the Jayhawks battled back. They showed resiliency. And, yes, a lot of what happened versus Oklahoma State was a product of really some fluky against-the-numbers type of shooting by the Cowboys. What was the number? They, Oklahoma State, much like the Texas game, shot way above their heads from three-point range. They finished at 42.9%, 9 of 21, did the Cowboys. But that was after they, they regressed to the mean in the second half and, and went really cold. So, yes, part of what happened against Oklahoma State was fluking. I put that more on the defensive end. But offensively, the biggest issue with Kansas is that, that teams have figured out how to guard them. Three-point range for KU versus Oklahoma State, 5 of 21, 23.8%. It was just, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I came on the air, well, on the, on the recording, <laughs> and I said, I think KU has found it. I think they found their magic formula. They're going to go five out while still including David McCormack. Tristan Anaruna may have turned the corner. Jalen Wilson is a star. Abaji is playing well. And offensively, they've cratered. And credit does go partially to Texas. I think partially to Oklahoma as well. I think these Big 12 coaches who love to copy themselves defensively, we saw it last year with the icing of the ball screens, Chris Beard's system, KU implemented it, Baylor implemented it, and those were the best defensive teams in the country. And this year, we saw it a lot with Oklahoma. We saw it a lot with Oklahoma State. Not so much with TCU, but a little bit with Texas, who hassled KU offensively, KU on the offensive end. Teams are doing everything they can to keep Kansas from driving and kicking. At every turn, Kansas cannot get around the corner. Every pick and roll, Kansas is trying to get into the lane and there's always a defender. Teams are making it their life's mission to keep Kansas from driving, either to get to the rim, obviously easier opportunities right there at the basket, or to kick out for open three-point opportunities. Kansas is not playing most of the time with a natural point guard. I will not accept any Marcus Garrett slander, by the way. Marcus Garrett is having a perfectly fine season. I saw it online. His numbers are exactly the same as they were last year. (laughs) 
So if you're having a problem with Marcus Garrett, you're having a problem with expectations. I love Marcus Garrett. I pumped him up preseason, not as an offensive force, more as a guy who will contribute offensively. Has he maybe lost a step? Has he maybe not as effective defensively? You can maybe make that argument, but I thought he did a pretty darn good job on Cade Cunningham, who will be the number one pick (laughs) out of Oklahoma State. Cunningham did go for 18 points, but 6 to 12 shooting. Well, okay, so 50% shooting. But he did not have an overwhelming effect for Oklahoma State. I did not think Cunningham owned that basketball game, which he was certainly talented and capable of. So, yeah, Kansas is playing without a natural point guard. They have Dewan Harris. But if you need the defensive Garrett out there, but you need the ball handling of Harris, all of a sudden your offense is, you know, gone to zilch, as we've talked about on the show. Can't play them together, but you can't take Marcus Garrett off of the court. Too important to the team. So because of that, you know, just look at in your mind's eye, you probably noticed it and not really thought about it. Kansas runs a lot of pick and roll. Think of a guy like Brown or or Wilson. Wilson's probably the perfect example because all of a sudden his game has fallen off of a cliff. And think about Fran Fraschilla talking to you about the term going downhill, right? Trying to turn that corner. He's coming off of the wing from the corner. Trying to mosey around. Going to do a little bit of a J-turn right around David McCormick. And there's bodies all over the place. He can't get into the lane. He can't finish at the rim. And because they're not natural ball handlers, Brown, Wilson, Apaji, they're panicking, and the passes are not going where they need to. Kansas has been so disjointed offensively in the last couple of games. And it shows up in the percentages. They can no longer shoot the three. And all of a sudden, their best offensive weapon, lo and behold, is David McCormack. Congratulations to Big Dave. I said I wanted Ecro. The guy was wearing it online. The guy was wearing it here on this program. And he's now turned into a force. He's playing really well. He hit the game sealer versus Oklahoma. A last second shot. Gave him 17 points. All he did was follow that up against Oklahoma State with 24 points on 10 of 18 shooting. And there is perhaps the issue. 18 shots for McCormack. I want him to play well. I want him to be effective. I want the kid to be in a better mental space, obviously. These are college kids. But David McCormack being your focal point offensively is not what's going to win games for Kansas. More times than not. Him being a contributor, him chipping in here and there, is how it's going to happen for Kansas. They need to be a perimeter-oriented team, and maybe they don't have the personnel for that or the consistent personnel. Because all of a sudden, Jalen Wilson, like I said, and Christian Brown especially, have disappeared. And maybe it's a product of the way teams are defending them. But when Kansas made their run against Oklahoma State, who was on the floor? Think back to it. Things actually took off 
when Bryce Thompson and Tristan and Aruna were out there for Kansas. Bryce Thompson didn't necessarily play great. Every time he played the ball, he was being hounded. Could not bring the ball up the floor. But there's something about his presence, and there's something about the way he and Anaruna played, that it was those two guys alongside Abaji, Garrett, and McCormack that got Kansas eventually into the lead and had a very strong chance to beat Oklahoma State. So, I mean, look, that's not – I'm not ragging on kids here. That's the straight-up facts that when Wilson and Brown weren't on the floor, Kansas took the lead. (laughs) They were down by a large margin. And next thing you know, with Thompson and Anaruna, they're winning. Next thing you know, and maybe you could say this is what turned the game, Bryce Thompson is laying his tushy on the floor. He has a guy, the big guy for Oklahoma State – falls right on him, probably would have been targeting in a football game. He dove on his head. That's not what got hurt for Thompson. Sounds like he hurt his finger, might have broken his finger. He has to leave, and then the offense goes to hell in a handbasket for Kansas when Wilson has to come back in. And by the way, having a guy that was stone cold off the bench in there for those last couple humongous possessions for Kansas – in Jalen Wilson, I didn't like it. They took Anaruna off the floor. You know that was a that was a straight swap. That was a substitution to bring in a cold player for the biggest possession of the game. And then, of course, Kansas can't even c- complete the play, and it ends up being a highlight for Williams on the other end. Which is that not traveling when you bounce it to yourself for the dunk? I don't know. It was a pretty sweet dunk to finish off that game. And now the upset plus that dunk will be on DVDs in Stillwater forever. And I'll let all the highlight shows. So at Joe nasty 90 on Twitter, let me know if what I'm saying here is reverberating with you. Kansas now has two losses in big 12 play. They got a little bit of a gift just last night. I'm recording here on Thursday. Texas Tech was able to go into Austin and a Mac McClung jumper at the death did take down the Longhorns, but Baylor is still rolling. It would appear as if teams are playing for second place in the Big 12. But granted, last year, you know, who would have thought that Baylor would lose a couple games down the line and Kansas would end up as the, you know, the, the champion of the Big 12 by themselves, the standalone champion? But KU only lost one game in conference last year. Obviously, that's not going to happen this year. I said there's trouble brewing for Kansas around the corner. You know, we're sitting here, and whew, tough stretch. Good teams for KU to go up against. You know, Oklahoma State's now 3-3 three and three in conference, 9-3 overall. Team's playing well. Oklahoma, Lon Kruger, Austin Reeves didn't choke against a good team for once, scored 20 points against Kansas in 39 minutes. Whew. That's tough stuff. OU always plays Kansas tough. Thank God they finally have a break this weekend. <laughs> They're going to take on Iowa State on Saturday. 
Oh, and then would you look around the corner for Big Monday? 8 p.m. Central Time. On the 18th, Kansas travels to Waco to take on the number two, call them the 1B team in the nation, Baylor Bears. So in all likelihood, you know, I wouldn't pick Kansas in that game. Maybe they come out with an inspired effort, and I'd like to see the line on that game as well. But in all likelihood, before the midway point of Big 12 play, Kansas is staring three conference losses right down the barrel, right in the face. Let's give them the win versus Iowa State. You never want to assume, but ISU does stink. They are winless in conference, even K-State has a winning conference. And I mean, come on. (laughs) If they lose to Iowa State, Canceled the season. I, okay, that was really hyperbolic of me. If they lose to I- Iowa State, maybe have a big kumbaya. Have one of those famous players-only meetings you hear about all the time in the pro ranks. But Baylor's rolling. Texas is good. They have the one conference loss now. But we know they'll stumble here and there. I, I said it. It happened. Texas almost lost over the weekend. They needed a last-second shot by Andrew Jones. And they come down, and they do lose at home. So I'm not really that worried about Texas. But when you lose a third conference game, that starts putting you in the same pack as Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Are those the the teams that you think KU should be associated with in Big 12 play right now? Two Two of the three they beat. No, we thought they'd be competing with Baylor, with Baylor, maybe even with Texas, depending how you feel about them. But they're more than likely going to have a third Big 12 loss here pretty soon. And that's the facts. And if you watch Kansas play recently, that's sort of the style points. So let me go back to it real quick. I want to give a kid his props. Because if you're going to rake a player over the coals, you better give him the kudos that they deserve when they deserve it. David McCormack has been excellent as of late. And yeah, this is a kid who's been wearing it in a big way from myself, from everyone online who are less loquacious about it. But it goes back to the TCU game. 20 points versus the Horned Frogs. Seven of nine shooting. Then you go to the Oklahoma game. Dave McCormack. You know, the 17 points. Eight of 14 shooting. Game ceiling basket. It was 61 to 59. He goes across the lane, hits that lovely little floater. And then Oklahoma State, he was the driving force for Kansas. 31 minutes, 24 points. Only three fouls, as I'm noticing right now, too. It's a really good job by McCormack. I think it's a good sign for McCormack that he's rounding into form. I don't think him playing well is the indicator, though, that this Kansas team is about to take it to another level. 
I got to push it to the limit. What were my biggest issues coming into the season? They've actually all been true. Amazing what happens. Listen to the show. Might actually learn something and get a perspective on the program, right? <laughs> I said, big man play. McCormick has not played well up to this point, and it's affected the team. Now he's playing well. But my second issue was scoring, just as an overall. I wasn't sure if this was a f- offensive firepower, you know, a powerhouse team. And they've had their issues, right? All of a sudden, like I said, Wilson and Brown having trouble. They couldn't score against North Dakota State. They could barely score against Kentucky. It took a late push versus Oklahoma State to make it interesting. And we know what happened versus Texas, right? And then, of course, there's the home court advantage issue, which has played itself out. You're telling me in that game against Oklahoma, that was a perfect Allen Fieldhouse game under normal circumstances. Kansas is just bongling around. That's not even a real word, but you kind of get the idea. Dangling the care in front of Oklahoma, saying, here's the game. It's there for the taking. But with a big sold-out crowd, gnashing its teeth, trying to push the team on, Kansas goes on a little 8-0 run, a couple dunks here and there, crowd goes crazy. They play some huge techno music, which is sort of the norm now at the Fieldhouse, or was under normal times. (laughs) And then Oklahoma's buried. Fans go ham, go ham, and they go home happier. See, I thought that was the same thing with the Texas game. I thought with a little energy boost, Kansas could have maybe gone on a run, made that interesting. Didn't happen. So those were my big three issues. Big men, scoring, home court advantage, all of which have reared their ugly heads at some point this year. And right now, the bigger issue is the scoring in the offense. So what do they do? Kansas needs to adapt. We saw them adapt midseason last year defensively. And they're going to have to figure something out right now. I don't know if it's as simple as Brown and Wilson need to start shooting better again. But I thought Kansas got away from the outside shooting early on against Oklahoma State and it bit them. Abaji started off, what, two of three? And then the team overall did not hit another three. I, I almost want to say until the second half. It was certainly late in the first half if they hit another three in the first. It was bad, and Abaji, by the way, three of seven overall from three-point land. Started off two of three, only hit one more the rest of the way. Brown, one of six. Wilson was two of three, but again, nine points against... I'm looking at the Oklahoma numbers, excuse me. (laughs) Pardon me. Abaji, same deal, same point stance. Two of three early on from three-point range, ended up three of six. Wilson, one of three. And Brown was only two of four. Largely invisible. So there's my diatribe. Somehow filled up, (laughs) you know, the show essentially on vile and vitriol. Is the sky falling? No. 
but you may not want to have visions of Big 12 championship hats and shirts on your shelves coming up here pretty soon. It's going to be tough, especially with Baylor lurking two games away. And you know there's another game with Baylor, very last game of the season. So if they want any hopes and dreams of winning a Big 12 championship, this Kansas team, things need to get fixed pretty much immediately. Everyone needs to get in the gym, work on their three-point shooting, figure out an offensive game plan to incorporate a hot McCormack, who, by the way, is also protecting the rim a little bit better, I've noticed. Remember when he didn't have a block for like the first four games? Yeah, all of a sudden, he's, he's doing pretty well. David McCormack, three blocks against Oklahoma State. So in- incorporate a guy who's playing well, but make it fit the system. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know your worries. Maybe we can talk about them. If you have any questions, Jonas N310 on Instagram. DM's always open. Apart from that game against Oklahoma State, hope everyone's doing well, though. You know, everyone is staying the course. I got myself a new mask the other day. So, yeah, I am certainly expecting more COVID restrictions as the year will go on. We were kind of hoping for things to ease up. It doesn't look like it's going to be the case. So everyone stay safe. I don't know if we touched on it, but March Madness this year, the tournament will be all within the state of Indiana, the Crossroads State, which, if you really think about it, is not that great of a nickname because it implies that everyone is coming and going from Indiana. It's the Crossroads State. We don't necessarily want to be here. We're at a crossroads. But as long as we have a tournament, right, that's all that matters. Stay warm, stay safe. As John Rothstein would say, stay positive, test negative. (laughs) Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your rest of this week. Enjoy the Iowa State game. Hopefully there's some dunks. And then, yeah, I will not be speaking to you until after that Baylor game. I hope to be proven wrong. But going on the road to Waco... Against an excellent team. Didn't do too much of a Baylor preview. Kind of get the idea. They're really good. They have a lot of the main characters from last year, and I've talked ad nauseum about them on these airwaves. Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Mark Vidal. They're they're amazing. (laughs) Vidal versus McCormack should be interesting. I will say that. But enjoy the games. Hope for the best on, on Big Monday. Big key for Iowa State with the quick turnaround for Baylor. With a team that's been pretty banged up, Thompson's hurt. Garrett has missed a game already this year. Team might be tiring a bit. Let's see if Kansas can hopefully get a big enough lead and get some guys out of the game ahead of a quick turnaround for Big Monday. Keep an eye on it. I don't know if it'll really make that much of a difference. These kids are used to playing a lot of games in a short amount of time, going back to AAU days. But something to keep an eye on. And I'll also leave you with this to listen to. Have a good weekend and rock chalk.
bone beast together. Now you know you in trouble. Ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too low down. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.